0: The new year is upon us, and I'm sure a resolution or two has crossed your mind, whether it be a new diet, exercise, giving something else up. uh, I don't know what it is, but I'm planning on cutting out uh, processed foods and sugar and and starting out heavily the year with yoga. Uh, Stretching is important, and I've heard this many, many times over the years when I visit my buddy Dr. Mark Holland and his colleagues at First Capital Chiropractic. Maybe make a resolution to try a standing desk as sitting affects our spine immensely check out their website at cairoandrehab.com or call 636-851-9082 and they'll direct you to the location nearest you. Sometimes back pain can be the result of stress or emotional trauma. So get some help from Dr. Holland, get a, get an x-ray, get everything checked out and adjustment and then give EFT Wellness Center of St. Louis a call to help with the emotional side of things. EFT also known as tapping is a wonderful tool that helps open up our energy system. I've used it many times over the years, and it's it's really helped me. For more information, send an email to Ken at EFTWellnessTL.com. That's E-F-T-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-T-L.com. Or feel free to call 314-732-9797. Mm-hmm. Welcome, friends, to another edition of Conversations with Calcaterra. You have heard the music of Just Off Turner, a band that I first saw when I uh, when I was hanging out with my my next guest in uh, Los Angeles, Adam Neal. Adam has worked in television for numerous years. He um, he started out working with uh, talent agents, and then he moved on to uh, reality TV or non-scripted. He's uh, he served as the vice president of non-scripted entertainment for a couple of production companies over the years, high-level production companies, and uh, working on such shows as America's Next Top Model and uh, Top Chef, Top Chef Junior, a lot of shows, a big television guy, and and we're hearing now it's a a golden age of television. We're looking at a lot of shows on Netflix and um, AMC has wonderful shows and we're we're looking at binging. Doesn't happen so much as Adam states in the uh, non-scripted world, but um it's something that we're seeing a lot of and and there's just a, a lot of good TV these days. It's definitely rivaling film and uh a, a lot of a lot of the shows I'm seeing are are kind of set up as novels. So you read a good novel with a lot of chapters, that's what you're what you're seeing with a lot of television shows. Adam and I also talk about Christmas movies that we we look forward to, and uh, some of the things that we're we're watching throughout the years. So it's a, it's a good conversation overall. It's nice to catch up with an old friend and introduce them to you. So we'd love to hear what you think about the show. We're um, we're hosting it on SoundCloud under my name Ken Calcaterra. You can also find me at uh, on Twitter at Ken Calcaterra, YouTube Ken Calcaterra to see some of my work, and Instagram see some of the photos I've taken it. Ken Calcaterra also um, a project that I'm putting together it's a hard rock life Adam my guest today has been kind enough to help me out with that give me give me some good advice you can find uh, all the hubs for social media at hardrocklife.tv once again this is conversations with Calcaterra and I want to introduce you to my guest Adam Neal Adam welcome good to see you good to see you as well so we're here talking about podcast, and uh, you said this is your second podcast.
1: Yeah, I actually did uh, another one for a friend who uh, was also talking about the industry a little bit, moving to Los Angeles, and all that good stuff. But he's not he's not started posting yet, so you're you're ahead of him on that front.
0: <laughs> excellent, excellent. But I'm sure his uh, his show will be really good. I look forward to catching that when it comes out. And then you were talking about uh, the Nerdist. Mm,
1: yes, I love that podcast, Chris Hardwick's podcast, um, where he interviews pretty much everyone in pop culture but uh you know he started out with a, a a travel rig and you know never done it before and then it's grown into he's on his eight i think 800th episode you know with paul mccartney and uh tom hanks and all these sort of huge names and it's it's really interesting to see how the platform has changed so much so quickly and now it's, you know, it's a very viable form of publicity for your projects and for your, you know, for your, your content. So it's
0: pretty neat. Yeah, it's good stuff. And Chris Hardwick is, I mean, that guy's tearing it up. He's on everything, That Talking Dead. He's on, uh what is it, is it called? After Midnight? At, at Midnight. Oh, At Midnight, yeah. yeah I just That's watched it the fun. other night. It's pretty hilarious. I
1: love that show. And he's also doing a game show for, I think, NBC. And he's also doing... Uh, another like he, he is so busy yeah he's watch. he's a trending guy right now yeah, yeah
0: he's done really well for himself i'm going to have off the i mean i've heard the nerdist i've seen the post on facebook haven't quite listened to the podcast yet so i'll have to yeah. check that out and see uh, i want to go i want to go back to an early episode and see how he started and how you Should that's they're all out.
1: on there yeah you can see, compare the difference it's uh, that's, it's pretty interesting <laughs>
0: That's cool so 800 that's where you get Paul McCartney and and yeah. people that that stature <laughs> you know right now my uh my uh, log line for this is uh names you've never heard stories you, you'll never forget nice so uh yeah once I, i'll have to change that once i get a mccartney type yeah <laughs> yeah you might know those <laughs> names <laughs> well very good very good so television that's the main thing we're going to talk about today and what are, have what are you been watching these days
1: you know there's i mean everyone talks about it being sort of the the golden age of tv and uh i think that's true in a lot of ways um the latest stuff I'm really obsessed with, I loved Mr. Robot on USA. It's one of my uh, new addictions. I don't know if you've seen it. I'm not. It's following. It sounds like it would be so boring because it's about hackers and following the dark net and all that sort of stuff. But the lead character is so good and the backstory is just riveting and like you're on your edge of your seat the entire time and very relatable to everything that's gone on these days. Um, you know, and, and especially even with the Paris attacks and what, um, what that hacker group is doing to sort of try to, um, you know, uh, take down ISIS, which is, you know, really interesting that, that a hack, a hacker group is trying to take that on. Uh, but anyway, that falls right into line with the TV show and it's really good. I urge you to watch it um, what else do I like I watch um, I have to admit my wife has me still watching uh, How to Get Away with Murder the Shonda Rhimes show <laughs> i have not seen <sure> that <laughs> it's, it's, it's the definition of anti-hero she is not uh, not your typical likable lead actress she is very dark like uh, subject matter she, she is intense and it's really well done as well um, and I've watching, um, I'm still in the process of binging, uh, binge watching, uh, Breaking Bad, which I know is sacrilege that I've not been it all the way through that series. Well, yet. we
0: won't talk about that, so we won't give any spoilers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please. <laughs> uh,
1: I know I'm the last person that hasn't seen the whole thing, but we just, uh, Uh, it's one you have to be in the right mood for to watch and I find that some nights I'm just like oh I I need I need something a little more cheerful
0: yeah when I (laughs) when I started watching that it uh I I couldn't the first episode I put it on I I can't get into this and then uh when was it I because I binge watched four seasons in in like a week because I had uh come in contact with Poison Ivy so I was like what else (laughs) am I going to do let me try this again and it was couldn't stop watching it so that's yeah. a good good way to uh a good excuse to binge watch just get get involved with some poison ivy do some yeah. yard work and there you go can't do yeah. much else yeah
1: i mean binge watching it's it's a new trend in tv there uh tbs just announced that they're gonna air an entire series on a saturday so you can watch binge watch on even cable now which has is unheard of and then um I also, you know, with Netflix, Jessica Jones, I just started watching and like knocked out that whole season in a couple weeks. Um, I'm a big Marvel. I love everything in the Marvel universe. So I had to watch that.
0: Um, Yeah, one thing, uh, speaking of Chris Hardwick, I was watching uh, Talking Dead the other night and they were talking about binge watching and how with that, you don't really get a chance to talk about the show because you're there, you watch every episode and then it's it's kind of onto the next thing so within watching the last episode of the walking dead and then seeing that show and then talking about it and maybe maybe getting online or having a conversation or whatnot it's just something where it's it's more water cooler where we're binging I, i think you kind of lose that aspect
1: yeah it's it's created i mean there's so many interesting trends that binge watching television has started one of it is sort of what is the what is kosher as far as Talking about key parts of a you know a, a a television program because you don't want to ruin it for somebody, um, but you don't know if they've if they're caught up, if they're not, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Um,
0: yeah, the ethics of watching television in the the twenty first century. Exactly, and then
1: it's also the binge watching has um, been a huge element in my industry because you know I work in my bread and butter is reality television or unscripted TV and um, reality TV does not lend itself to binge watching at all and so if you look at the providers like Netflix or Amazon prime or hulu there's not a lot of reality um, programming on those those portals um, because people don't watch 12 hours straight <laughs> of reality shows so that's going to be an interesting dynamic moving forward I think there's going to be a big contraction of, of reality and unscripted
0: yeah I, I think I think there's a few on uh I mean I watched Wahlburgers at one point on, right. uh, on Netflix and I right. enjoyed it I think I watched uh, I at, at the time though when it, a lot of times when I'm watching television is more on background I'm, I'm working on photos or I'm editing something and it's just like hey a little background let's hear something you know have a nice story going on so therefore I guess I'm just I'm not a hundred percent into it but enough, where I'm, I'm picking up on the story. I can hear the people talking, and I don't really have to watch. So for for me, that that type of format works pretty well because I don't necessarily want to be focused a hundred percent. Right. Um, but I did not you know, as far as reality goes, I I did enjoy that show. I thought it's they they did a pretty good job of that.
1: It's a that show has an interesting backstory. But just to clarify, I, I should have I meant original. Pro uh, that Netflix and Amazon Prime are not creating new ah, original gotcha. okay. unscripted because it doesn't lend itself to binge watching but yes you can you can get some of the stuff that's been on TV through uh through those avenues um but Mark is interesting cuz that show actually was um done for History Channel and it was piloted and then they passed and A&E actually brought it back after they passed and and you know made a a hit show for them, especially. um So it's kind of interesting how that happens all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think that show works well when you have. You look at the characters that you've seen uh, that you know from Entourage. So if you watch Entourage and you're like Johnny Drama, and then you see the real Johnny Drama, who's just a nut. It's it's great. I love that guy. So yeah, I, I mean, I think that show works pretty well in that regard mm-hmm. and, I, and i think they've structured it pretty well it's yeah. uh, it's interesting to see that family and get a little behind the scenes um, yeah yeah they seem, seem like there's some substance to it and that's what right. i like that it, it i mean they have the shenanigans i think some of it is definitely a bit of a work right but i don't know i, I think it's rooted in something more you know the the theme of family and uh, you know, having dinner together and those kind of things, I think, is is something that we need right now. That's a little more, has a little more substance than just shopping and things of that nature. Although they do shop a bit on the right, show, as well. right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think any anyone will tell you the heart of any successful reality show, no matter what your opinion is on um, on the politics of it. You know, from the Kardashians to um, to Honey Boo Boo, both of which are shows I, I did not work on. <laughs> um, but they will tell you that for it to be successful, it has to um, at least seem to the viewer that there is a lot of love there. You know, like pe- the, mo- most people that are fans of the show, the Kardashians, will tell you they feel like those sisters really do love each other and would have each other's back if they needed to or, um, you know the case with any of those shows so i think that's a, a very key element um to any successful especially family reality show but um a lot of people would
0: would rather there be a little bit more substance as you put it <laughs> as
1: far as what they're doing in their free time
0: <laughs> now if somebody came to you uh, or you're looking for ideas what what do you look for that that you think would make a good show
1: um you know it's interesting reality tv's very different from scripted because I mean, we're all looking to tell good stories. You know, you look at the jinx on HBO or brilliant. So good. Um, or even the, the first real world, which was, you know, a a true social experiment and like what, what is going to happen and what's going to come out of this. Um, so we're all trying to tell good stories, but, for reality TV, that, that, is, um, that includes game show, that includes talk shows in some sense, that includes competition reality shows, that includes um, docu-soaps that we were talking about. So um, in the past for me, my bread and butter has been um, competition reality shows. So I was a producer on MasterChef and MasterChef Junior. I was a producer on uh, America's Next Top Model uh, some shows like that and um, I would say that for those sort of things you're looking for a competition that is, is interesting and compelling to people visually uh, you know food is very you know modeling um, but then there also has to be an extreme passion by the contestants if it's a compet- competition show so you know America's Next Top Model was a Cinderella story you know, plucking girls out of obscurity and turning them into princesses and, you know, and they looked and felt gorgeous and, you know, and it could change their lives. Um, Or you look at MasterChef and these people are obsessed with food. I mean, it is their lives and they have food dreams, as we call it. And so you have to have real passion there. I think there's been a lot of competition reality shows that haven't worked because the people in them actually don't really care that much. <laughs> they just want to win some money,, <laughs> yeah. and that doesn't really work um so I look for yeah I look for for really passionate contestants in a in a world that will be very visual very interesting um and the nice thing about competition reality is that you have an inherent uh drama, you know you're gonna you're gonna win or lose, and there's there's those things that are naturally formatted into every episode. With docu-soaps, as we call them, for Kardashians, for Honey Boo Boo, for anything like that, you know, unfortunately, there's been a trend of really sort of scripting those out, or at least heavy outlines, (laughs) to make sure that you have drama, to make sure that you have the... And it's understandable. You can't just film financially. You can't just film 24-7 for a year, and... (laughs) craft the real true documentary style story points um some some shows are doing it much better than others um but at the end of the day you know a lot of production companies feel like they have to guarantee what's going to be the a storyline and the b storyline of each episode and that involves a little bit of producing as we call it or (laughs) outlining um but i think there's been a bit of a backlash against that which you know i i really like the authentic stuff and the stuff that feels more real and that's what's becoming more popular now and um, people aren't as interested in the very scripted sort of stuff as much so um that i'm excited about because i like the documentary style stuff
0: yeah me too and and i have a hard time just figuring out to 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 manufacture that drama it's just not it's like just not within my dna <laughs> so i think like oh how am i gonna do this and and yeah it's always something that that holds me back but uh yeah show that that you've been helping me out with and giving me uh some advice and whatnot hard rock life that's what i'm trying to do is make that is make it's a hard rock life the official title but it, it's to make <laughs> it authentic and and get what's the essence of the guys and In fact, one thing, I just was down at the Austin Film Festival, and one of the documentaries I watched within this last year was Foo Fighters Back and Forth. And I met the director of that, James Mall, really cool guy. And I was just like, wow, that's the guy that directed this great documentary. And I I need to go watch it again because I remember it being a lot of talking heads, but it was so compelling. The guys are so cool. And so I going to look at it and see how did he how did he use the b-roll? How did he do this? If if I'm so encapsulated by this story, can the people that I'm focusing on, can we can we get the same thing with their story? Right. And so hopefully hopefully that with what you're saying and with what I'm seeing there, it's just like hopefully that is something that I can put together that uh, would be really cool and I can do it within that format that I know and really love.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would and that's the the other thing i will say especially on the docu side, is characters i mean you know the reason it probably works so well is because his subject matter were were great characters yeah really tell a story you know there are so many shows there's um you know there's a show on discovery id called homicide hunter where it's just a it's a a man who used to be a, a detective in murder cases retelling some of his most famous cases and then there's like Recre- recreations um, along with it, but he's such a good storyteller and, uh, and it's real and it's from him. And so it draws you in, even though it's just a talk, it's just, you know, a man talking about this mm-hmm. case, but he's, he's captivating in that way.
0: Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Cause so, so many people have stories and you know, that's before there was television. That's what's sitting around campfires and things yeah. of that nature. So, and it was always something that was very, very compelling and you want to sit there and i remember as a kid just listening to stories from from my parents or grandparents or just even when going to college i found that a a lot of people i were i was friends with were older people because they had interesting stories yeah And, and i think that's where you know some of the drama i think can come from the backstory and them telling about an event and maybe getting getting a little worked up about a past event so uh you know i'm gonna gonna kind of see how that works out and and hopefully that as well as with following them around maybe having some scenarios that are based on my research Mm -hmm. and say okay well they've really done this before but let's kind of put them in the same scenario not somewhat i guess reenacting but just seeing how they deal with it a second time right so it's yeah. based in truth and, uh, you know, not going too far out when it's putting them in a situation that they would never find themselves in, right. in, in the actuality of life. So,
1: yeah. When it's based in truth, you, it, it, it's, you, uh, you can rely less on their acting ability because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, it is something that they've dealt with or are dealing with, you know, as opposed to, you know, okay, just pretend like you're really mad at him you know those mm-hmm. you can kind of see through those instantly i think
0: it comes out and it's one <laughs> one thing in my notes i have uh with my parents we watch the show gold rush yeah and some people were telling me just like some of the behind the scenes and i was like oh no way And that's a show where a lot of times when they're talking, you're like, "Yep, somebody wrote that, or somebody told them to say that." Regurgitating, it's so obvious. But I mean, some reason, no, I keep even every episode, it's like the same (laughs) format. It's just I can't stop watching it. So I mean, they do it well, right? And it's it's kind of cool to see people trying to achieve that, get the gold, and whether or not uh, on the claim, it's it's provided for them. I I don't know what it is, but you just. (laughs) You just kind of wonder, but I do, I do find that show somewhat, it, 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 maybe it's a train wreck and I can't stop looking, right. but <laughs> I, I keep watching it. But I, I like to see shows where people create something. You mentioned competition. I think Ink Master to yeah. me is, is kind of a cool show. Um, you know, you can kind of see the cliches that are in that. But I yeah. I just think it's fascinating to see the artwork that the people are creating.
1: And they're very passionate about Definitely. it. Definitely. And that's, I mean, that's the key. It's like, the, you know, there's all these conventions for tattoo artists. And, you know, it's funny. We, I developed a tattoo competition series about three years before that show came out. And um, every network was like, oh, it's too risque. It's too risque. <laughs> And it's all about timing. So then, you know, three years later, Ink Master comes out, and it's been a wildly successful show for Spike. It's been sort of a tentpole for them, definitely. As you know, and um, yeah, it's it's really passionate contestants creating beautiful artwork, and they cast it really well. And that's another key part. You have to cast great contestants in order for it to be entertaining and interesting. Because if you if you know, you could hire, you could cast just the best tattoo artists in the world and they would have really cool interesting artwork but it's not going to be as dramatic or interesting and you're not going to get the stories unfortunately that you need to uh sustain an hour of tv every week
0: (laughs) yeah definitely not but uh but but good stuff so now within developing a show Mm -hmm. um you know a lot of times production companies are just I guess developing multiple projects and throwing yeah. them out there and seeing what what will stick. It seems to be that's that's the way to do it. You find some interesting characters, develop a show around them, put a sizzle reel together, and then throw it out there. And if if that doesn't work, then you have three or four or five others. Yeah, um, well, I mean, <laughs> how is it? What is your experience with that? Do you, do you have any stories of, as far as? a few different types of shows you're developing and what maybe hit and what didn't.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, it's, it's definitely, there's no science to it. Um, I, I've worked at some of the biggest production companies for unscripted, you know, from shine America and a company at all three. Uh, the company I'm at now is a, is, um, sort of mid-sized production company. Um, and everyone does it differently. And it also depends on the timing and the climate and everything else. Um, Several years ago, um, the the trend was you spent a lot of money making really elaborate sizzles, whether you shot them or you found footage sizzles, um, and these would have flashy VO, you know, where it would be like a competition, like you've never (laughs) seen, and you know, and it would be really sort of stylized, and you'd spend a very pretty penny on this, and then you would take it out to all the networks and um, keep it really generic so that it fit every network because some networks are male skewing some are female skewing some are you know a different age range uh and then hope that someone latches on to it um what i've noticed now is there's so many steps to development process with the networks no one's green lighting a show to series anymore no one's saying i love the show i want to do 24 episodes or 12 episodes or eight episodes so um instead they do these development steps. So you take in, now I'm even doing much more sort of like Skype casting and paper and, you know, maybe a really short little found footage thing that's not quite as elaborate to get the network interested, then they will pay, you know, a minimal amount to do a sort of more formal sizzle or pilot presentation catered to their network. Uh, because every network will tell you that they're different than all their competitors, and that <laughs> and that it needs to have their lens, whatever, whatever network it is. So, in doing that, then you you can cater your product to that network because they're paying for it, um, and then they'll they may have an additional casting step or you know a a production bible step or whatever it is. So then you do all those steps, and then perhaps it gets green light to an arable pilot. And then to a series. I mean, it can be that that sort of long of a process. Um, so I've done it all of those ways. Um, we um, we sold a, we sold a series on just concept to, when I was at Shine America to Nat Geo that had a casting step. So once they found the cast they liked, then they greenlit it to pilot. Um, we had another show that um, I sold to Spike which, um, you know, came in with talent, uh, A-list talent and a concept, no sizzle, no tape, and we completely reformatted the show. Um, but that that ended up being a, a show on, uh, it became a special for Spike as well. And then uh, I, I developed a series called Restaurant Startup, which is currently on CNBC. And that was a situation where we had a concept with talent. We brought in the talent. The network loved the talent, but that format wasn't what they necessarily wanted. So we had to go back to the drawing board and come up with different formats and ended up, we developed Restaurant Start, which is a great show. I love that show. But, um, so, I mean, there's there's no, it can be many different ways (laughs) to go about it. But um, right now I'm finding a little bit more success in doing sort of, smaller that you can do a lot of like you know i would say at our production company right now we probably have 25 projects in development at the moment that we're either doing casting sizzle or casting tapes on paper formats trying to attach brands whatever and then you know and then we have five series on the air um but but i'm i'm not involved with the series on the air i'm only involved with developing the new stuff
0: cool and i i thought it was it was very helpful when you did tell me about the found footage sizzles cuz i'm always looking at hey this is what i do i'll i'll go shoot something and figure this out and it's it's kind of i'm i'm glad you did because it's very cool the other night i was going through youtube and finding some things out and just looking for different footage and it's a a songwriting show so and, and i want I want to feature people that whose songs I've listened to over the years and hear the stories behind those and see them do different things and whatnot. I don't give too much away until I get that sizzle and, and whatnot, but it's kind of cool just to go through and realize that I couldn't at, at this point in time feature those people because I wouldn't have access, but by just kind of creating my concept with different things and finding that little sound bite of somebody talking about a particular sound, a song or sound, it's mm-hmm. music. Yeah, um, was very cool. So I I started. I was like, ah, I'm just gonna kind of see how this works, and then I couldn't stop. It was yeah. like, and that's the cool thing with YouTube. I found it was saying, oh, check this out, and you know, had the list of other things to look yeah. at, and then there was a lot of things that I didn't even think about, and I found this this great. Um, I referenced Brian Adams because I was listening when I was in Colorado the summer of 69 which I think is just a brilliantly written song right it's just incredible just a great story sounds good it just emotes this feeling Mm -hmm. and then uh, and then I find a clip of Dave Grohl doing a cover and kind of setting up the song and this he had this story of um, Nirvana recording I guess it was their unplugged album or whatnot in Brian Adams house Uh and he didn't know it was Brian Adams house. And I'm thinking, these are the kind of stories that I, that I think would be really cool on the show. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it was like, Oh wow. I would have never thought of that or really even you had an inkling that those two things were related, but finding the footage. And then now I can kind of craft a story Mm -hmm. and hopefully something like that will, will get someone to say, wow, this is cool. We like this concept and you're doing this and that. So So that was a gift. I thank you so much for that information because I, I just, you know, I just didn't have that in my toolbox.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, found footage sizzles are such a great tool, um, for us because you can, basically meaning found footage, you, um, you find clips or, or pieces from already produced, projects because it's not for air it's not for sale or anything like that you're just using it as a reference to show the buyers or or anybody the kind of um, what the show could be and what's great about that is you know you don't have the budget to go out and shoot the way you would shoot if you had a real budget yeah so a lot of times if you're filming it yourself you're underselling what the show could be because you know if you have eight episodes and a real budget and you three cameras and all that stuff it's going to look much glossier, much nicer, better. Um, so to use those clips and to use that sort of stuff can really help sell your vision of what the show could be. Um, you know, it's always tricky when you're trying to, um, you know, make it feel like it's something you've never seen on TV before. (laughs) If you're using found footage, that sort of negates that. So you kind of have to get creative sometimes, Uh, which is where I like to use a lot of VO and graphics (laughs) to um, sort of push it along. But uh, but it's definitely, we've sold several projects on on those found footage. And some, I remember when I was at Fox Television Studios, they sold um, a, a pilot to, I think it was Fox, and it was on a 30 second, uh, found, like found footage, it had like two lines of VO, some graphics and, and a quick montage. And that sold a series because <laughs> it was just, yeah. it had
0: such a compelling feeling when you watched uh-huh. it. So. And you just never know, and you just never know yeah. what somebody's, like you said, the tattoo show a few years prior to Ink Master, yeah. it didn't stick, but then, uh you know, once that came out, then you start seeing a lot of tattoo shows. Exactly. Now, did you ever yeah. find that uh, maybe something that you tried to sell at one point when, uh, say, it becomes a trend for tattoo shows? Your tattoo show, did you guys ever try to resell that, or was it just kind of too late? Or, um,
1: You know, I had left the production company I worked at. I was a development exec, and, you know, they own your IP when you leave. So... I had left there, so I didn't have that IP, and I felt like it was probably too risky to revisit anything and that was too similar. Um, but you also have a little bit of that. A lot of networks, it's funny because once it becomes a trend, then all the networks are for, even even if it's air, you know ra- rating for all the other networks, then networks will be like, well, we don't want to be derivative. You know, it's it's a it's a dance. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't try, I try not to do too much of the sort of derivative kind gotcha. of development. But, I mean, it happens on a daily basis where a show is announced that's an exact show that I've pitched. I mean, there's not that many new ideas out there in the world. So it's going to happen. But um, it does, you know, it does hurt. My a partner and I um, from another production company that we worked at, we had developed, he was the exact producer on America's Next Top Model. And we had developed a drag queen competition show, which was, seemed so well suited for him with top model and everything else. But again, it was, you know, a bit ahead of its time. And then uh, two years later, or, or whatever it was, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race came out and has been on the air ever since, and twenty spinoffs and everything else. So <laughs> those sort of things happen all the time in this business.
0: And, and then how about the um, how about the internet as a delivery format? Um, we've talked a little bit about this, and nowadays mm-hmm. there's just a branded entertainment, and that's one thing I'm looking at with It's a Hard Rock Life mm-hmm. is to try to get some brands behind it and uh, get those sponsors, and maybe produce it on my own, maybe get somebody else. Or get to, I'll definitely need some help at some point. Right. But uh, looking at just the need, now YouTube Red just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, in Austin they were talking about that and, and having that as – essentially needing content or needing I mean there's so much so many opportunities what what has been your uh your experience with the internet and and maybe making shows directly for a particular youtube channel or a brand or anything of that nature
1: yeah you know it's it's tricky um I think it's a really smart space to be in right now because it's going to go that way but um people haven't really found the way to make a lot of money at that yet so it's hard you know i've always i've been fortunate enough to work at a lot of really big production companies and it just wasn't feasible necessarily for the overhead to develop a lot of shows for those now saying that shine america we had a digital pro a digital team uh was separate from me but they um they had developed some content specifically for certain portals that would pay for content so the time I think it was um msn.com and uh you know and um they did one for yahoo an original series when yahoo announced a whole bunch of those original series um but the way they did that is they went after the brands to pay for them as we talked about branded entertainment so there was like sort of a, a, a kind of a quiz sort of show that we did that toyota paid for or you know um stuff like that and, um, it kept us there. It kept us in the world, but it wasn't like, oh, this, you know, can pay for the whole t- tire production company or anything mm-hmm. like that yet. But I think it will go that direction. Um, you know, I, I think right now what people are finding is it's a great way to exploit your creative th- it's a great way to foster it and then translate it into TV. Um, now, Again, there's a lot of examples of it not working <laughs> um, for some reason. I don't know why, but like, you know, there's some huge podcasters that have gotten television show, Grace Helbig, who's a really funny podcaster, you know, but uh, this sort of notoriously, they gave her a show on E! that did not do well. And, um, you know, I, I know Perez Hilton, who's Oh yeah, he's huge, huge, huge. In, the, in the internet world. He has had countless sort of TV shows and and sort of been attached to a bunch of different formats and just doesn't translate all the time to television. So um, it's sort of a, but he's, he is, he and Grace Helbig are not hurting at all on uh, with their digital dollars. So, (laughs) so they have, you know, they have mastered sort of creating a brand and an empire uh, online
0: yeah i think it can happen it's like anything it's uh striking gold being in the right place at the right time definitely you know all that and and that's what you know one of the questions i had for you where we talked about production companies having many projects and and that's kind of what i'm doing with different things and maybe with uh just putting something out there that energy just kind of clicks and the right person hears something and there you go yeah
1: definitely it's, Who all knows? Can, it's all you can do you know <laughs> i mean and in, in the then it's it's pretty much like it's interesting used to talent was just discovered uh you know a model would be discovered in a line or an actress would be discovered at a audition or whatever it is well now people have to be sort of auteurs and they have to like create content and they put that content out there and that gets them discovered but but it has to stand out and it has to be good because there's so much of it. Yeah. And, um, so they are becoming real, like maker studio has so many great creative minds at that, at that. I don't know if you're familiar with that company, but maker was bought by Disney, but it's, um, it's like sort of a, a, a a house, a studio that Uh they've created for people who do online content for themselves, but they provide all the resources, so these people have great studio space, great all you know, all this access and they're such creative minds and so they put out ton of really great content. And um, you know, and they're sort of discovering the next stars from that sort of world. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. So you just
0: moved back? Yes. From uh so you lived in LA for how many years? Twelve years. I was okay in Los Angeles. Twelve yeah. years. You're back here now, you're talking about uh Looking, you're going to coffee houses and working. Have you been yeah. to have you been to Sips in Clayton?
1: Uh, I have not yet. Sips? I, I, should, I should. Great coffee house. <laughs> Fresh
0: pressed juices. Nice. So you can nice. get different things. Their pineapple juice is amazing. Coffees, locally sourced coffees with no chemicals, no uh, no syrups. And uh, if you if you like those foo-foo drinks, <laughs> uh, what about a pumpkin latte? I I'm
1: usually just a, a <laughs> coffee, black coffee, but well, uh, on a, occasion, you can get a good <laughs> black
0: coffee there, as well as uh, the the corridor concert series, which is pretty amazing. So she, Sharon, my friend, one of our sponsors, she uh, there's a corridor in between the businesses there, so she'll set up, um, you know, like maybe a, one evening uh, a week for a month, or you know, usually when it's a little nicer weather. And uh, they'll have different, you know, acoustic singer songwriter type things. Oh, cool. And it's just a cool space, acoustically sounding. It's, it's really cool. And then they'll serve, uh, if you're into micro like sh- uh, Schlafly, Urban Chestnut, they'll serve those there. Cool. uh have some wine. So it's something definitely to check out. So yeah. I'll, I'll let you know when there's one. And definitely. We'll, we'll go over there. And Sharon also has uh, the Brooks Salon, or just Brooks Salon. And uh, she's been a hairstylist for many years. Oh. cut my hair a few times and is if she can do something with this then uh you know <laughs> she can do something for anyone but just just a great person if you want Adam you can make an appointment by calling uh 314-651-1763 and Good then if know. uh yeah and how how are you doing on insurance by the way <laughs> Uh
1: so far I'm okay but I I would love to do a price comparison so okay, if you well, got somebody. I have
0: the guy for you Mike <laughs> <laughs> Avishan. Mike is with uh premier insurance agency he's a another longtime friend good guy he's been in this uh he's been doing the insurance thing for over 20 years since uh 1994 and uh serving both missouri and illinois so now that you're back in missouri <laughs> he can take care of you uh you have any collector cars or anything
1: no no i never i never did that but i you know i watched jay's garage on cmc yeah so jay so. if jay was in missouri <laughs> illinois, was in he there.
0: could get uh <laughs> he could get mike abishon to help him out and uh cover some of his collector's cards but uh but you know homeowners auto boat owners you don't have a boat yet i don't think Enough. uh you know if you're doing some commercial auto motorcycle uh maybe tyson shaftner could use that for his motorcycle if he ever brings it back <laughs> watercraft annuities you know pretty much everything under the sun besides maybe production insurance right which we'll have to talk to mike about that he can do he can be reached uh, their website is uh of course the www if you still need that anymore but premierinsuranceagency.com, dot com and he can be reached at three one four seven two
1: nine zero zero
0: five four. Nice. So speaking of the industry and getting into it and whatnot, what was uh what was your first job? You told us about some of the latest jobs you've had, but yeah. where did you begin?
1: I started out in talent management. Um, it was very uh, weird situation where I um, just was uh, sort of comb like sent out hundreds and hundreds of resumes uh was waiting tables kind of the stereotype in la <laughs> right after <laughs> I, I moved there and i but i was fortunate enough i was probably like six weeks two months in that i, I got called in for an interview um for a manager but he his he had a house set up he had a guest house which was set up as his office um, but I hadn't really, I didn't even know about talent management really. I knew about agents, you know, before I moved to LA, but I didn't realize there was this other subsect, which was talent management. Um, and anyways, I got hired on as, as an assistant, but then just by happenstance for like six months, people kept quitting and they kept promoting me, uh, cause he liked me. And then it was like kind of ridiculous. Cause I was, I was a manager within a year, which I was not suited for, nor had the experience I should have had to have that title or that responsibility. So, uh, I grew to hate it because of that, uh, and left after a probably year and a half, two years there. And then, uh, at that time, no one was hiring, uh, a pilot season was over. Um, and so I, but I wanted to be back into production and this reality tv was hiring and i was like oh i like some reality shows and this was before the giant boom or right at the beginning of the giant boom and so sort of right place right time and um yeah so my first job was again i started over as an assistant on top model and then by uh i was on that for five cycles and by the end i was the international producer on the show helping set up the international legs of the show and
0: um, it was pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> Took me all around the world. Very so, cool. Yeah.
0: And what advice do you have for somebody that's uh, that's somebody new, maybe right out of film school, that mm-hmm. is looking to get into the industry, whether it be non-scripted television, whether it be a, a movie, yeah, uh, you know, anything in the industry, because it's a pretty crazy industry.
1: It's a very crazy industry. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've gotten asked this quite a bit. I would say. There's a few things I would say. One is just work hard and, you know, no one likes entitlement by any means. Uh, that's a tricky, you know, I came from the world of you just do, you do whatever it takes. You got to get it done, work ridiculous, crazy hours. I was probably on the other side of it where I was probably doing, you know, probably a little dangerous, on a little s- sleep. I was the getting, same way, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I do think that my work ethic helps me a lot because there was a lot of people um, that didn't necessarily have that, especially if they grew up around the industry, you know, and came from, from family that were already pretty established, then it, they weren't necessarily willing or wanting to do the grunt work um, that needed to get done. So I think a great, having a great attitude and a really strong work ethic will get you so far. Um, but everything in this business is relationships so you've got to maintain relationships and as much as sometimes I don't want to go do some sort of dinner or drinks or whatever you have to as I mean it's part of the job because those relationships will carry you through your entire career um uh, and you know I would say when you first get out there you're gonna have to intern you know and you're probably gonna have to work for free um just to make those relationships and also to figure out what you want to do. You know, I was lucky that I liked reality TV because if I didn't, you know, it's not so easy to jump from producing in reality to producing in scripted because they're very different worlds. And so, you know, the same is true with, I had friends that I was coming up with and luckily I got on the creative side, but I have friends who ended up just because they kept getting promoted And they wanted more money or whatever, you know, maybe they went down a production management side or a line producing side, which is not creative as as creative. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's definitely ways you can be creative, but creative accounting. Exactly. (laughs) Don't take a (laughs) debt deal. (laughs) But, um, you know, and now, you know, then they get to a point where they're so comfortable with their rate and everything else, but it's not really what they want to be doing. And so knowing, you know, okay, what I would really love to do is be a dp and scripted or Mm -hmm. really love to be a a line producer or i really love to have my own production company that does xyz knowing that early on will help you sort of get through your path as opposed to still growing your career but maybe in a different direction and then you're like oh okay well so much yes it's (laughs) it's easy to get kind of
0: pigeonholed easy very easy uh you know even on smaller scale uh, working on commercials and things or whatever market you're in um, so I, I just think with with me it's just like I keep doing it mm-hmm. so I think I haven't been established so I'm still hungry right right so even though sometimes I consider myself lazy but I'm like wait I just worked a 12-hour day but no I need to work more <laughs> right <laughs> so you know hopefully this work that I'm doing will will get me somewhere with some of the contacts that I do have or Working those contacts, I think the internet is good for that too. As far as establishing relationships, and it's and it's just a little different thing. I think the FaceTime and and the drinks, things like that, or you know that energy when you're in the same room with somebody is is, is probably has more points you could say. But I think as far as doing the things with Twitter and Facebook and other social media, I think when people see your name, they kind of start seeing your work. They get a a decent enough idea through social media of your character Mm -hmm. you know i'm hoping that (laughs) that that's something that one day somebody that i interact with and in a genuine way because i like to when i and that's part of this podcast when i see somebody's work that i really appreciate and then Mm -hmm. i I want other people to experience that work whether it's a, a musician friend or a television show that you're putting together or just people that I know, I want to put that out there Definitely. and hopefully that energy will translate into somebody saying, wow, Ken Calcaterra is, you know, he's doing good to put it. Now let's, let's do the same with his work. Right. Right. Um, you know, either way, Definitely. I'm, I'm going to try to keep the energy up and, and not look at that. It's, but being right. a human, Sometimes it's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: that's what you got to do, and 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 it does. You know, I, I think it it definitely pays off in the long run. You know, is you, you put you put the good out there, and uh, people do notice. And you know, it's interesting with social media. I was I you know I'm involved with a lot of casting sessions and stuff like that, even hosts of of game shows or whatever. And used to it would be like, okay, let's screen test who's the best. You know who has the best vibe, the best look, the best this, the best that. But lately I've sat in in meetings and people will will say, you know what, he had the better screen, you know, XYZ had the better screen test, but this person has, you know, a million followers and that will trump
0: the, the better screen test sometimes hmm, so so i don't know if that's the best thing but as far as getting the show out there i mean, I mean, yeah. I mean it, yeah i mean it's
1: yeah i don't know if it's best necessarily uh, for your creative yeah, you know yeah. for for the creative of the show but it is something definitely to be aware of if you're an actor or if you're definitely you know if that that's collateral so I would suggest strongly suggest getting started on that earlier, you know, like you you know, familiarize yourself with all forms of social media and start to try to create your brand in that space because that will be a deciding factor down the road, you know, could be. So Yeah, and
0: it's it's and it's so accessible. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody can be be watching their favorite TV show and just with a laptop be you know getting likes talking about this sharing this this yeah. and that so it's i mean it's very doable it takes work though yeah it just I, I think a lot of times people think oh hey this will go viral but right. anymore for something to go viral you have to you have to get a little push you have right. to you have to massage it a little bit and and put some work into it and then it and then it kicks off yeah <laughs> and it, maybe that thing that goes viral is after months or years of as you just stated building that audience and then you have have that behind it to really launch something
1: something else yeah and that's a a something funny that you'll find with everyone that's been very involved with digital content you know i I know chris hardwick's talked about it on the nerdist quite a bit is that's a cringe term for them is videos viral videos because you there is no rhyme or reason something (laughs) hits or it doesn't like you cannot (laughs) manufacture it you cannot create it it's just some things in the zeitgeist, you know, lightning in a bottle, lightning in a bottle. (laughs) And, uh, and it's when a marketing person or an advertising person comes to a production company or, or a content maker and says, I want a viral video. It's just the, like everyone just sort of cringes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Uh, last question that I have, um, how, how do you balance or how have you worked on balancing out your family and your work? Because, yeah, developing a show or, you know, working on a show, like you had stated at times, 20 hour days. Yeah. Um, hopefully there's, there's not, you know, that's not a three sixty five type right. thing, but, uh, I mean, what's your secret to, to balance in life?
1: That's a, a very good question. Um, for me, I mean, I made, I made some decisions that I don't know that everyone else will make, but I, cause when I started out in production, I was definitely working those, you know, like 20 hour days and it would be seven days a week during filming, you know, during prep and post, you know, it was a little bit more manageable. It might be like a 10, 12 hour day, um, uh, five days a week. But, but during, uh, actual production, you know, especially if, if we were filming at a house reality or whatever it was, uh, it was insane. And so I did that in my, you know, in my twenties before I got married and even after I, right after I got married, but then I wanted to go the development route because then you're just doing, you know, pilot here and there, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, uh, these little sizzles. And so maybe you have a couple of crazy days or a week, crazy week or whatever, but it wasn't months and months of your life like that. And that was a really, um, helpful decision for us as far as once we had kids, you know, it was made it much more manageable, um, to at least see them some. Now, in know, L- I was still struggling in LA because traffic and <laughs> everything else is so hard. And so it, Monday through Friday, I wouldn't see my kids at night because by the time I got off work and could drive home through 405 and 101, um, you know, they would already be in bed. And so we made the decision to actually leave Los Angeles, move to St. Louis for that sole reason, so that I could have more time with the family. Um, It just worked out that, again, through relationships, um, I was able to work for a production company that's letting me telecommute in. I do pitches, you know, over the phone via, via, you know, Skype or, or some other form of video conferencing. And, um, and then I just fly out to New York and LA on occasion. Um, and that's been just a massive life improvement for me, like to be able to spend the nights with my kids and stuff like that. Um, but that it's very hard to do. Most people in LA, the way they balance is by hiring help, you know, the nannies and all that sort of stuff Um, because you kind of have to Um, or they will also if you do freelance work you can work on a show for three months and then take two months off you know and then work for three months and take two months off and then that way you have time you know you make sure Mm -hmm. that you spend really great quality time in those chunks with your kids but i just that didn't appeal to me Mm -hmm. um but
0: it appeals to some people (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you have it figured it out. It sounds like uh, things are going well for you. Yeah, I can't complain. Good. So it's, it's holiday time. This will uh, this will come out right before Christmas. That's the plan. Uh, what what holiday movies do you watch? What uh, you know is there like a Christmas movie? Is there something? Sure. I, what, what's a tradition in your family?
1: Uh, elf of course
0: (laughs) just watch it with my nephew or thanksgiving Uh,
1: yeah i mean that that's the first one and then pretty much every time it's on air (laughs) we'll we'll tune in at whatever point it's on um it's so good so funny and and full of heart and sweet um my wife's other favorite besides elf is uh love actually so that's that's amazing it's it's a really good well done movie and so we'll watch that even though some argue it's not christmas because it's more of a romantic comedy but i for me it feels like a christmas movie i don't know um know, yeah,
0: that fits I, I like that as well
1: <laughs> and then you know you have to with the kids you have to watch rudolph and frosty and yeah the like old claymation
0: old... things are uh, those are just classic yeah
1: it feels like christmas Definitely. when you watch them <laughs> yeah but
0: you have to watch those usually get too caught up in things uh yeah, yeah i have uh th- there's one film i watched in college called city of lost children which was oh, kind of yeah. that christmas aspect oh you know? wow yeah so, uh, so yeah, i yeah, love that movie yeah it's, it's really bizarre but uh, i was yeah. telling a friend about that the other night it's like i think i'm gonna watch that and then <laughs> and then like maybe the anti-christmas movie but uh it, it has a good message at the end bad santa oh I think yeah that's just something i started watching and i i saw it at the theater one year and uh I just can't stop watching it every year. I it just, is I, really good. It's just so good.
1: Billy Bob Thornton is very good in that. Yeah, he's, um, he's classic. But
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anything new that's coming out. Uh, I don't. Nothing's on my Star arena. Wars. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's Star Wars. Um, as far as that's, I mean, not that, so much that's a gonna, Christmas movie. But that's gonna. I mean, everybody's gonna be seeing that uh, throughout Christmas and throughout the holiday. Gonna, I mean, it's already probably. Just broken records just on pre sales. Oh, yeah.
1: I I really want to see Night Before with Seth Rogen and uh, J- Joseph Gordon Levitt. That looks I cracked up in the trailers when he's like yelling at the baby in church. Um, it made me laugh so hard. So I I hope it's as good as I want it to be, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's I, try, I try anymore not to uh, not to watch a lot of trailers and whatnot because it just. It just—I I have that point it. with a trailer where I know I'm hooked. I'm gonna see this movie, and then it keeps going, and I have to block my ears and close my eyes. Yeah, so and like, it's just like, oh, I don't want to see anymore because it's just like that's the whole story. I want to be surprised. I want to go in and not know what happens. Yeah, that's that's why shows that where you know, okay, this is gonna be the same thing every episode. It's yeah. just kind—even of, even on those shows, I don't want to see the preview of next week's episode because i want some kind of surprise
1: yeah well you know what i find anymore is that i don't see trailers unless i seek them out because i don't watch commercials because i dvr everything Uh and so where would i see a trailer unless i like Mm -hmm. actively go and look for it um my my wife and i went and saw the last hunger games recently um and and that was the first time i'd seen trailers in in the theater and mm-hmm. i don't know how long and i was like oh man this movie looks oh this movie looks good. i'm like how many movies am i missing out on because i don't <laughs> see trailers anymore i don't know
0: well very good yeah that's uh some good recommendations for christmas and holiday uh, movies. So <laughs> Definitely have to check out. I love Seth Rogen and those guys. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. Usually their stuff's great. Yeah. So we'll have to check that out. Anything you want to close with?
1: No. Um, I would say, oh, uh, you know, I, right now the production company I'm at is called River Media and we have a series, uh, we have several series on the air, but one I'm particularly proud of is one called Escaping Polygamy where we document these women getting out of, and men, uh, getting out of sort of cult situations. Um, and that's really compelling and very documentary, as we were talking about. Very cool. And um, it's going to be on A&E. Uh, the second season. The first season was on LMN but they it, done, it did so well. They're moving it to sort of the mothership. Okay. Um. Cool. So it's called Escaping Polygamy. Check it out. Look, look it up on online.
0: <laughs> great Escaping Polygamy. I'll uh, I'll reference that somewhere. Um, <laughs> but yeah, fantastic, man. It's great talking to you. you welcome. Too. Welcome back to uh, St. Louis. Well, thank and, you. Uh, Always a pleasure yeah hopefully we'll be able to work on something together uh, again at some point
1: would love it all right adam
0: go gorlocks take care buddy (laughs) thanks (laughs) better find out what you have